Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my two distinguished co-hosts, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Hey, Mr. Siddons. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to you and also uh, Mr. Crable, Peter Crable. Hey, Mr. Crabes. Hey, good day, Robert. Robert. We are we are back. It didn't. We didn't put six months between two <laughs> recordings. If I if I hear another person tell me that we haven't recorded soon enough, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip. Well, here we are. This is the midsummer show, and it's a great show. It's the best show of the year. That's yes, true. It's very exciting. Uh, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, full service educational media company focusing on leadership instruction and 21st century school reform. As always, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC and Ed's Not Dead.com. Uh, boys, we are very excited today to have friend of the pod, amazing, know everything about middle years education and psychosocial development of adolescents, Phyllis Fagel. We've had her on the show. I think you said, what was it? 2019 was the last time we had Phyllis. Yeah. Not much has changed from now and then. So yeah, <laughs> there is no one. I would venture to say there is no one more prolific in her thinking, writing, and speaking about adolescent development than Phyllis Fagel. Wouldn't you agree? I, I agree. It reflects how important that age level is for sure. Yeah. So we're excited to welcome Phyllis back to the show. Boys, today we are recording. Uh, when our listeners hear it, depending on when Mr. Crable gets motivated and edits the show <laughs> and we drop it, but it is the 20th of July, 2023, and it is a great day in the DMV. Uh, Mr. Crable, do you want to share with the audience why? I, I will. For all, all the big uh, football fans out there, today was the final sale of the Redskins slash Washington football teamers slash commanders slash durs away from the dread Dan Snyder. As Robbie hey. said pre-show. Your kids will finally have something to root for. <laughs> ding dong, ding dong. He's gone. Um, yes, it is exciting. I know that when we got on pre-show and we were doing our pre-show prep and I was dancing on the Zoom screen, <laughs> Mr. Siddons didn't understand why. Um, he's a Green Bay Packers fan growing up in somewhere in Pennsylvania. Been- I don't know how that happened, but... Anyway, uh, for all the millennials out there uh, and those younger, you finally will have a team in the DMV to root for. Um, I will tell you, my 62-year-old brother, Dr. James Dodd, texted me and verbatim wrote, I feel like I'm going to cry. Uh, so I, I don't, I, I, this has had a very big impact on people. It, it has been 24 years in this area of... Um, you know, not having really a team to have faith and root for and, and having grown up here in the seventies and eighties. Um, I think Mr. Crable caught the tail end of this. That's, that's what I was going to say. I think I was just a little on the back end to know really what, what it meant really to the, I mean, to the whole city. It's, I, mean, I, do it's, rem- I do remember that like during those times, like it was literally all anyone talked about correct anytime, anywhere. There, I mean, it was like pointless to have any other sports teams even in the city. Yep. It was, it, you know, it seems nostalgic and kind of overly sentimental now when you read about how the team united the city. Um, but it really did make kind of a big place seem smaller um, in their heyday. And it was really just a, 
it was all anybody talked about. And to, to link it uh, indirectly to education, this is my 30th year. I do remember when I started 30 years ago, it was very, very typical on Fridays and Mondays that teachers, staff, all throughout buildings would have their Redskins jerseys on. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you'd be lucky if you see one in. I was going to say, know what you see now. I don't know. There's two teams I see the most now. Okay. Let me, let me, uh, let, yeah. Why don't you guess first, Casey? What teams do you think? E- uh, Ravens and Eagles. Uh, Ravens would be one, uh, but no, not Eagles. Oh, Steelers. Steelers would be the other one. Yep. There you go. Hey, do you, do you hear that? I don't. What is it? <laughs> oh, play it. Play it. You got to get it closer to your play microphone, it, boss. <laughs> no, we can't hear it. Oh, that's horrible. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I was expecting we were going to play hell. You're not your. I was working? very excited. I, I found it on, on the YouTube. And, okay. Well, let's, let's, let's do this when we're on a break um, between before or after Phyllis, let's load it up and we will play it in the last segment. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Yes. Just one warning. The last time we used a copyrighted song, we got banned in Albania. So uh, it was New Zealand. Number okay. one. And number right. two, if you only use like 10 seconds of the song percentage, you you're, you're good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the new owners of the commanders are, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson, and other assorted millionaire slash billionaires. Yes, yeah, like 25 other people with lots of money. But Josh Harris grew up here in Chevy Chase, right? And went to the field school uh, in Northwest DC, Crable. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Um, don't know much about the field school. Um I think he also maybe Ivy League educated uh, if I'm not incorrect sure. probably um but the sales price is a record 6. Point what billion 8 billion oh no I think it was like 6.05 billion 6.05 billion yeah. okay yeah. it's a lot of billions that's for sure a lot of billions so um uh, one one note I would like to point out as yes. a DC resident uh when he was giving his speech and you know I'm so happy to be here blah 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 he referred to the state of Washington, D.C. And I said, oh, I like the sound of that. All right. Oh, and I don't know if that was an intentional thing. Oh, no, that was, he's a smart guy. That yeah, was definitely I, yeah, intentional. Yeah. I was like, oh, who else caught that? D.C. Uh, statehood. That's uh, right. Get Eleanor the billionaire Holmes, on board. Eleanor Holmes Norton is somewhere smiling with that. Somewhere. Comment. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, that she's been that beating would, that drum uselessly for 25 years. So maybe having a billionaire do it, Mr. Crable, being a be DC, helpful. being a DC resident, having three kids, yes, if they are able to secure land in the city yes. and they build a state of the art NFL stadium in the city, do you know what it could mean for you and your family to be able to go down to games in the I would, city? I w- yeah, I would actually go, that would be awesome. I mean, a 15 minute, 20 minute Metro ride to something awesome. Like, sure. I'm game. That would be cool. You know, that would be cool. Well, it's a, it's a happy day in the DMV. I'm thrilled. Um, I do think there is a link between schools and the hometown team in the fall. When you return to school, there's excitement with that. And now there's going to be renewed hope and excitement with the local football team. It'll just be, it'll just make, make going back to school that much. Good more vibes. Good vibes good, for everyone. Yeah, everyone. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mr. Siddons, you have any, you have any thoughts or you think you're going to become a, a Manders fan now? Yeah. You know, I, I don't mind going to a game if it was somewhat easy to access. I think you it'd know, be fun. No evil owner, easy to access. Yeah. Stadium. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. For twenty years, that's right. 
Embrace I'm gonna it. do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I want to go to uh, a DC United game. I have not gone to one of those. Their stadium sucks. Does it really? Yeah, it's not like bad. Audi, there's, isn't there's, Audi Field? Yeah, there's not a single memorable thing about it. Wow, really? that's sad. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. it looks cool from the outside. I, yeah, I would ve- I would fun. venture to say the National Stadium is pretty similarly similar. bland. Yeah, it's, it's fine. You know, it's like okay, it's you know whatever, but it's it's not memorable nor iconic. Yeah, did they sad. do did they do the whole DC architecture limestone kind of thing? No, it's just gray, just gray concrete. Just gray concrete. It's just a lot of gray concrete. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, that nothing not really. Great. Yeah. You know, I said I went there the first time I went there a couple of years ago. It was like a sweet, like soccer specific stadium. I'm a soccer nerd. Like it's gonna be whatever, whatever. And like it's it's fine. There's just nothing, there's nothing much to it. Yeah, it's not blowing me away. Concourses in in gray gray concrete. That's about it. All right. Yikes. So, um, hail to the commanders. Uh, before we go to break uh, and welcome Phyllis Fegel on the show, I do want to share one highlight of the summer. Mister Siddons, are you ready? I'm ready. Um, I um I helped. I'm not going to take full credit, <laughs> but I helped um, initiate. Mr. Crable and his family into the crucible of summer swimming. Uh, did you volunteer him to do something? For no, people? He, he told, just, he told he me did. to get on the wait list like eight years ago. I did. I wanted him to be prepared with his little children and it's yeah. all worked out. Right. It has. Yeah. Um, We're in the and, cult. Thank you. And his kids are adorable and they're all participating. And, uh, but Mr. Crable anchored the parent relay a couple of weeks ago. He swam a just, blazing blazing that's the word i was looking for blazing 25 freestyle wait mr crable did yes there's a parent there's a parent relay at the end of relay carnival yes and i'm your guy and and, i was hoping that you were like going against kids that would be really cool and we (laughs) were we were were cheering (laughs) for him i was very impressed um he did not look old at all. Wow. How was your stroke? His stroke it felt good. good. It felt good. good. Yeah. Any any shoulder pain afterward? No, no. I've, I I swim during the summer, like laps and things like that. That's outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we're we're we've we've been doing that. Um, you got to get freed on a swim team, Mister Siddons. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. She loves. She's really getting into swimming. All at the Y. I know. The really local loves Y. It. We love the local Y. Yep. Go Tuesdays and Thursdays. Very good. I'll run into you there. All right. Uh, when we come back, we are thrilled once again to welcome Phyllis Fagel back to Ed's Not Dead. And we're going to talk all things adolescence. And she's going to tell us about her new book that's hot off the presses. Right, Mr. Sins? That's right. Ready to all rock. Right. All right, folks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead, uh, fellas. We are incredibly excited. As promised, Phyllis Fagel, the great Phyllis Fagel, has joined us on the show. Um, Phyllis, welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. It's so great to see you. It's so great to see you, too. And thanks for having me back. I think the last time was right before the pandemic. Yes, it was. I actually have the date in front of me. It says Casey wrote it out. The last time we had her on our show was back in the second season of END 2019. 
Uh, your book, Middle School Matters, had just come out. And uh, just by way of a little bit of a bio about Phyllis, I described you, Phyllis, when we started the show as probably the most prolific thinker, writer, speaker on adolescence and adolescent psychosocial development. Um, you've worked in both public and private schools with students K to 12. Uh, you are an expert and we love having you on the show. So uh, welcome back. Thank you. That's very, very kind introduction. All right. And dudes, you know that Phyllis always sends Ed's not dead love in her various places that she goes. She always We're very appreciated. Yes. Yeah. Very appreciative. Gives us a shout out. And she has come, she's spoken for some of us at various events. Yeah, yes. Several, and that's always PTAs. fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Phyllis, let's get into it. Um, so we had you on pre pandemic um, and your last book, middle school matters came out six months prior to the pandemic, your new book is coming out on the heels of the pandemic. Um, what pushed you to write the book and why is it important for educators and parents alike? That's a great question. And when I wrote Middle School Matters, my whole goal was to write a really comprehensive book about everything middle school. And I would never, ever have to write another book. And then as we all know, we had this pandemic and when I returned to school right away, and I'm sure you noticed this too, the kids we were working with were pretty different than the ones we had seen the last time we had been in the building. And some were faring better than others. And I started paying attention to who was doing well and who couldn't stay grounded in their bodies and then really trying to test different strategies. And over time, what I realized is that there were some universal strategies. I think of it almost as universal design for social emotional learning that worked, that were different than some of the things I had included in middle school matters that I really wanted to highlight. Because my theory is that if we find strategies that work with what I've been calling extreme tweens, you know, the same insecure, impressionable, excitable, funny, purpose-driven kids we've always known, only more so, then we would have a set of strategies that would work with kids at any point in time. And so you write about um, the 12 superpowers. Um, and as I'm looking through them, I'm like, oh, I want to hear more about that one and that one. But I'm going to let you pick for this one. Um, so why don't you highlight one or two and and give us an overview of, of what it is and why you selected it as um, a superpower? Yeah. So each one of these superpowers, and there are superpowers like super belonging, which is about finding your place in the pack. There's super optimism, which is about retaining hope and humor in the hard times. There's one that's super daring about taking risks. There's one about super sight, which is about anticipatory decision-making. And all of them really align with the phase itself, with the idea that kids in this age group have a hard time not being impulsive. They don't have a lot of life experience or perspective. They tend to catastrophize and go right to the worst case scenario. So if I had to pick two, the first one I would pick is super belonging because nothing is more important to middle schoolers than their friendships. And they're really clumsy and have no idea what they're doing half the time. <laughs> and so they need a lot of support to make friends. And so that is a bona fide superpower if you have the ability to really find your place in the pack and figure out how to be a friend who is a good friend for you and have that ability to interpret feedback accurately. 
And then the second one I'll highlight if I had to choose two. It's like choosing my favorite yeah. child. I guess it just depends on the night. The other I ones think... aren't listening, I promise. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Phew. Um, I would choose super daring because I think it's really hard when you're that age, when you're 12, 13, to take risks and you might drop a notch in the eyes of your peers or your teachers or your parents. And we really want kids to be experimenting and recognizing that the stakes are low in this age group. And it's the perfect opportunity to put themselves out there because that's how they build their confidence. And and let me ask, um, because you, you, we, you know, we kind of prefaced everything with kind of pre and post pandemic with middle school matters. And now this book, um, and I think we've all noticed that, especially with this age group, that um, you know they are different. And I think for me personally, I've had a, like a little bit of a hard time verbalizing exactly what that is or what that means. Have, I'm sure you've thought about it. And you know, how would you say this age group and tweens are different than maybe pre-pandemic, or just, or maybe it's the culmination of you know 15 years of change in society, but just. You know, I'm, we we oftentimes have conversations like, yeah, they're different. They're different. You know, but like putting words to it, it, I find challenging. So I think, first of all, it's not just the pandemic. I think part of it is the pandemic. Part of it is what happened during the pandemic, the isolation, the extra time they spent on social media, the lack of time they had to practice social skills, the amount of time they had to have complete control over their schedule in a lot of ways that they don't have now. So their stamina is down. It's hard for them to get through a full week of a full day of school, let alone do homework, let alone do homework and socialize. So that's one way that I'm really seeing it manifest. But I would say that kids who don't have ADHD, who don't have a diagnosed attention issue are still presenting the same way as kids used to, who did have those kinds of diagnoses. And so one way that I think we really can help these kids, and this is something I've thought a lot about lately, is rather than go straight to mental health as the underlying cause, which is what I think a lot of us have done, myself included, you know, everybody wants to find kids therapists, which is great. I'm not opposed to that. Anyone is going to benefit from seeing a therapist, but I think a lot of this has to do with skills as opposed to uh, mental illness. So a lot of the anxiety we're seeing, a lot of the sadness, if we can actually target the skills, then we will actually help them feel better. So on that, that note, I'm so glad you brought it up is like putting the power in their hands. So like the, the concepts, the way you, you laid them out, make it seem like they can be easily implemented in the classroom or a school and, and very uh, practical for middle level kids. How, what are some ways in which you've, you've seen it, or you, you might suggest schools incorporate these superpowers into, into schools and le- their learning? That's a, a great question. And I really tried to operationalize it in the book. I have a whole section in each chapter specifically for educators because Many, many of the stories that I share are actually from my experiences teaching kids in this age group and seeing what works in that classroom setting. And one of the big takeaways for me is that while everybody is a counselor right now, including principals, including people working in the cafeteria, security, everybody is a counselor right now, which really creates a lot of anxiety for educators. I don't mean that everyone is actually a counselor. What I mean is that everybody has to have an extremely intimate understanding of this distinct phase and be able to relate to these kids where they are and how they are in order to teach them whatever it is. And so to break it down into specific examples, 
uh, there was one teacher in my school, a math teacher, who recognized that the kids were missing that social time and acknowledged and validated those feelings and said to them, you know what, I get it. This is really important to you. And I want to give you more time to talk to one another because they were just so disruptive in class. And I need, I'm going to strike a deal with you. I'm going to give you seven minutes at the end of class just to hang out and talk as long as I can get through these concepts. And they really felt like she was approaching them with a lot of respect, that she was acknowledging what they needed, and they cooperated with her. It worked really well for her. And, and I think that did come from really understanding what they needed and working with them as if they were a little bit older and more mature than they are. So um, that leads me, and I don't know if this is a question, Phyllis, I'm just going to ruminate on this and then tell me what you think. Um uh, you and I have kids close to the same age. And so as parents, we had kids in the house during the pandemic. Um, I've to, to Peter's point about not being able to fully describe how the kids changed. One thing I've been thinking about is that really maybe for the first time, at least in a hundred years in this country, adolescents, older kids, high school age kids, um, were able to make their own choices every day. They could walk down to the kitchen and eat when they wanted to. They could take naps in the middle of the day if they wanted to, all of which my kids did. They <laughs> could they could elect when they were going to log on and do their work. Um, and I've kind of seen maybe that the kids don't want to give the control back. They they got they got it in a way that in some in some I, I mean we talk in terms of the pandemic really impacting them negatively. But in some ways, they got to experience things that they had never had, no generation of kid ever had. So again, I'm not sure if there's a question there, but do you see any of that playing out in, in how, I think you just gave an example of a teacher giving a kid some options and choice. Our schools are not always set up to give a lot of autonomy and choice. Yeah. The first thought that came to my mind, I had a, a memory of my oldest who was in high school during the pandemic. And I was walking down the hall and I could hear his teacher say to him, it was his Spanish teacher, Paco, which was his Spanish name, Paco to Pero, because he literally like just sat up in bed, like with his hair akimbo and like <laughs> pressed like on to the zoom. And, you know, suddenly now you're right. Like they have to like brush their hair and brush their right. teeth and get out the door and get to school. And, they bristle at losing those freedoms. I think you're, you're, that's a really astute observation. But on the flip side, for the middle schoolers, so my youngest was in sixth grade when they were sent home. And I can remember him coming home that day and saying, they sent me home with every book I'm going to need for the rest of the year. And I'm guessing that can't be good. And of course, we know he was right. Wow. And that was just such a stark moment. And for him especially seeing his older siblings who had driver's licenses and had much more solidified friend groups and had people they could talk to. They also had better social skills than an 11 right. year old boy Correct. and could connect with their friends. But for the middle schoolers, they really were trapped with their parents at the time that they most want to have a little more freedom and didn't have the skills to connect over zoom. It's certainly not the 11 year old boys in any case. Agree. I, I, my, my daughter was in fifth grade. So her first year of middle school was online and it had a really deleterious impact, I think on her just transitioning when she did go to middle school. Um, 
All right. Who did I cut I, off? Crable or Siddons? Go ahead. I actually had a question about, um, you know, as I was looking at the superpowers, the list of superpowers, and then I thought back to your middle school matters book. I'm not saying there's overlap, but it seemed like the middle school matters book. You, uh, you talked about like helping kids make good friend choices, um, help helping them self-advocate, regulate their emotions, help them be responsible, make choices. It, the, this book at first glance seems the new book seems like a sequel in some ways, but it, uh, like I was thinking like, are you zooming in or it almost feels like at some point when you're looking at the list and going through the book, it seems like you're kind of going from like a 30,000 foot view. So how do you, how do you see that yourself when you're I, writing it? I a hundred percent see it as a sequel in a lot of ways. Now in middle school matters, there was an, a chapter on psychological resiliency. And in some way, this book is an entire book on psychological resiliency. When I was writing middle school matters, it was a little more based on all of the different uh, categories that kids have to master everything from homework to some of the, I, I love the way that you just described it as zooming in because I, the way I talk about the two books is that middle school matters is kind of the, what to expect when you're expecting a middle schooler. <laughs> and, and this one is kind of like the option B if you ever read Sheryl Sandberg's book about with Adam Grant about recovering after a loss. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like this book is more of a, how to be how, you know, how to connect, how to be, how to recover from any kind of disappointment, how to make decisions that will leave you having fewer regrets. It has a little bit more to do with kind of the humanity of the kid right? than some of the more skill orient, skills-oriented uh, things that I talked about in Middle School Matters. Yeah. So when, um, you know, as I'm thinking about these skills, um, you know, I think about my own school and and uh, conversations that we have about to about how to sort of um, like collectively operationalize people to interact with kids in the manner that we want them to 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 help them build these these skills. And I, I struggle sometimes because um, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe you know, it relies on on the power of individuals versus like a collective effort that uh, that any organization in this case a school puts forth. I mean, do you have ideas about how to help adults facilitate environments, places, conversations for kids so that they can so they can help them cultivate these power or the, you know these yes. skills and these powers. Yes, you know, I'll give you some examples. And earlier I was talking about how everyone's a counselor but not really. What I meant by that is that everyone is going to bring different strengths to the table. So one person might be that trusted adult that kids feel comfortable talking to about bigger problems. Uh, somebody else might be the person who just notices what those social dynamics are, doesn't really want to get involved, but then goes and relays that to somebody who might be able to do something about it, like a school counselor. In my school, we had two teachers. Uh, one was middle school teacher. One was actually a lower school teacher who knew how to knit and loved knitting. And they started a before school knitting club for the middle schoolers. And it was so popular. It was popular across races. It was boys and girls. It was eighth graders and fifth graders. Our middle school is fifth through eighth grade. And it just blew my mind. And I really spent a lot of time in there trying to figure out what it was that made that knitting club, knitting, 
so popular. And there were a few things that jumped out at me. One is that the two teachers who were facilitating it were really calm, loving people. And for kids who are really anxious about school period, it was a very meditative, calming, loving way for them to start their day. Another part of it was that the head of the school, the head of the entire school would come frequently and join the kids. And it felt very familial and they felt like the administrator cared too. And in fact, the administrator was helping teach some of these kids how to knit too, because she happened to know how to knit. And over time, other teachers started to drop in and it, it blurred some of the lines, I think, between the adults and the kids. And it really made me think about a comment that one of my students once said, and that I use in this book, in, in the beginning of each chapter, I share some kid quotes. And she said, I don't like it when adults uh, tell us that they know we're having a hard time. I like it when they tell us that we're having a hard time and we're all in it together. So I think that is a message you want to relay. Another example from the school setting that um, that I didn't, I don't think I talked about it in the book, but I've talked about it when I visited schools and talked to faculty. There were a bunch of kids who wanted to have a to build the culture of belonging for all of the kids. And, you know, we decided to have a building belonging week and one, one morning, and this was organized by the middle schoolers. And I always think everything is better when the kids organize it. It's just, it's executed better. They care more. They have more pride in that kids are far less likely to tear down systems. They help build, but they decided to have a pep rally. And when you think pep rally, you think sports, right? And so instead of a, typical sports pep rally, they decided to have a belonging pep rally. So in the morning in front of the school during carpool and drop off and, you know, everybody's getting streaming in are the middle schoolers who decided to do this. And there were a whole lot of them were standing in front holding signs that spelled out building belonging and yelling, like, give me a B, (laughs) give me a U. And I thought, oh my gosh, as long as the adults are saying that's as important as sports, you know, what, what are we spending our time on and what are we giving airspace to and physical space in front of the school? I thought that was really powerful too. Thanks. Dr. Dodd. Was I muted? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I, I was saying that I was sensing while I was muted that Mr. Crable was feeling knitting pressure. Because I think, <laughs> well, what, I, I, what, I, what I was actually feel about is I, I have been operating under the assumption that school should be more than just academics. Yeah. And, I mean, I, Phil's other ways example, for us to, yeah. Phil's example, when we do, we've done different kinds of recesses, Phyllis. Yeah. And when we, when we just roll out, this is not as deep or I think or as impactful as the example you gave, but coloring books, the kids, uh, it, they that meditative thing you described it's really powerful and they sit together and talk and um i i agree that more spaces like that and then also adding that communal kind of familial thing would be really powerful and actually the coloring book example is a great one and this is something that i've talked about i don't know if you've ever had jen court on the show but this is something that she recommends and i've tried and it works great and it's something every single teacher can do when they come in, when kids come into the classroom, they've just come from this bustling hallway. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's Whitman, they might have been locked in the elevator. I've heard that a few times. Uh, Thanks, 
it does. It, it happens. Okay. <laughs> it happens. Right. It could be anything. But when kids come in, they've had all kinds of stressors and they need a minute to collect themselves. And so having them have mindful coloring sheets, it doesn't even have to be a whole coloring book, just having some handouts in the classroom and giving them a minute to just color while they're getting settled and grounding themselves before you start teaching Love it. has an incredible impact on their ability to focus. Love it. All right. Uh, as always, this has been amazing, but Phyllis, you're not off the hook um, because <laughs> I always, I always try to kill it, but I'm never successful. <laughs> it is the, it is the time of the interview where we do the Casey Siddons quiz. And um, I, I, you know, please don't ask me a policy question like you did last time. <laughs> uh, did she, did we subject Phyllis to a quiz four years ago? I guess we did. I, I've changed up the quiz format since you've last been on. I'm pretty you. sure. Oh my goodness. They All right. Are, so you're on yeah. Mr. Siddons. All right. Well, Phyllis, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we, we know how much, you know, about kids superpowers, but I want, we want to know what you know about actual superheroes. <gasps> oh my God. This are is going to be terrible. Are you ready? <laughs> mm -hmm. I have three questions. If you get two out of three, correct. Mr. Crable might send you some cool stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting in my drawer for a year. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So these are questions about superheroes and they're short and sweet. Number one, and this is multiple choice. Okay. What is Batman's real name? Is it A, Bruce Wayne, B, Robert Bruce Banner, or C, Tony Stark? Bruce Wayne. That is correct. That's yeah. one of the Mr. Sittens, I see what you did in that second question. You, you, you mixed up the Hulk and, uh, uh, Batman, you tried to trick Phyllis. Uh, man, you know, you know, I'm, I'm working right, on it. It's ahead. all good. At least Number you didn't do some one of those very obscure superhero movies. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a lot of them now. <laughs> Number two, what year was the first Iron Man movie released? Ooh, that's, that's a tough, tough one. question. Is it A, 1998, B, 2008, or C, 2018? I have no idea. Always go with details. Um, B. B. B is correct. 2008. There we go. Two for two. And the last Sticker question. For, for Dr. Dodd. <laughs> last question is, what is Superman's weakness? Is it A, oh. Mennonite, B, <laughs> Whatanite, or C, Kryptonite? C. And the reason that that one comes to me so quickly is because I'm always telling kids that meanness is my Kryptonite. That. Oh, what a there what a way go. to put a period on it! <laughs> I love it. Three, I love it. Well, you three, three for three. That was well done. You get yourself a sticker. That All right, a, that's a very high Ed's not dead interviewee score. It is. We it is. we rarely get three out of threes. It's because you didn't ask me a public policy question. Because <laughs> I like, can you like to show obscure, difficult questions in there that nobody knows. The answer Actually, to. can I? This is a also kind of a random piece of trivia, but I got an email and. It was from the person creating the audio version of Middle School Superpowers. And this was not a question I was asked when Middle School Matters came out, but she said, we need to pick a theme song for the book, okay. for the audio version. And I'm sending you four possibilities. Tell me which one you like. And first of all, that created a lot of decision fatigue for me. I, I, it was completely analysis paralysis, choosing the right superhero our fake superhero theme for my middle school book. And second of all, I decided that every book about middle school should have its own superhero theme song. Absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you ever in the future, if you ever need any superhero music, there's one yeah. guy on this podcast who makes awesome music. He, yeah, not me. Is that is that Casey? It's no. Mr. Crable. Mr. Crable. It's you. Oh. Yeah. Well, I can. We another time we can talk about this whole other business you could go into making music for audiobooks. I I'm into it. Whatever it is, uh, <laughs> or not, I'm, I'm ready for it. All right, I love it. All right, the book is Middle School Superpowers: Raising Resilient Tweens in Turbulent Times. The author is the one and only Phyllis Fagel. Um, and while you're at it. Uh, check out Middle School Matters. It's also an awesome book. Great summer reading as we prepare to get back to school. Phyllis, um, folks can Google the book and just buy it on Amazon or any other spot. As long as UPS does not go on strike now. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they won't. But yes, you can buy the book anywhere that books are sold. All right. And do you have a website? Yes, phyllisfagel.com. Okay, phyllisfagel.com. Lots, uh, lots of L's, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S. I will put it in the I will put it in the show notes and it'll be out on in our podcast website and everything. So we'll be able to link you up. I remember one time looking at Phyllis's followers on Twitter and I had like a pang of jealousy. It's 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 a lot of people. are you gonna switch to threads, Phyllis? What are you gonna do? you know what I kept my name over there so that I have it, you know, that's okay. sort of what I've done and who knows what's happening with Twitter so far. It's, it's on life support, it's right? A little bit too much hate over there for me, but we'll see. It's a nice community. It's a great nerdy educator community. So I would be sad to lose that. I yep. agree. All right, Phyllis, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. As always, we are brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, full-service educational media company focusing on leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Um, It was terrific having Phyllis Fagel on the show. Um, I have to say, selfishly, uh, because we haven't been doing a lot of interviews lately, fellas, um, it was really nice to interview someone where we didn't have to try that hard because Phyllis is like a, a pro. She's very, amazing. Very, very media polished. Yes. I mean, we, we, just... you, our listeners may not know, but there's some early on guests where there was some heavy editing from Mr. Crable. <laughs> a lot of the work, most of the editing he, he did not want to do, <laughs> probably cursing us while he was editing at late at night. Yeah. Um, and she, I, I can't think of anyone that knows more about um, early adolescent and adolescent development. I mean, she is just an expert and she's, and, so, she's so well read. She can cite research. She can cite oh, yeah. books she's read. I mean, she's just incredible. I, I love the, the, I don't know what the word for it would be, but for years, I feel like the, the middle level was kind of the forgotten child of education. We have a lot of work and school improvement efforts focus on elementary schools. There's a lot of work on uh, and a lot of books, I feel like, on being a successful high school student or running a successful high school, I think. But I feel like in the last 10 years, there's been a a renaissance of like middle level, real like tangible middle level work. What do you you think? I I would agree with that. I I would... I would say that there was a lot of work done on the middle years 
in the 80s at kind of the advent of the middle school movement um, at places like the University of Michigan and Johns Hopkins. Um, I've talked to you guys about when Turning Points was published in 1988 or 89. Um, that was kind of a high watermark at, at that time. Sure. But I agree with you, Casey. It did a lot of reforms over the course of the 90s as a result of that movement were 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 put in place and then died on the vine. And then I think in the 2000s, you're right. Um, high schools really started again to kind of get the spotlight, early literacy in the primary grades, uh, preschool. Well, I think there's, there seems like there's a lot more tangible markers in like how many kids can read at grade level in third and fourth grade and how many kids are graduating on time. Like there's very tangible measures in both those levels and maybe less or maybe fewer in, in middle school. I don't know. I thought yeah, I, was, well, I, I was thinking I, about listen, it. You guys are the middle school experts. I mean, I, my, my, I was an interloper at the middle school <laughs> level and, um, you know, I want to put the pressure on you two to, to, you know, come on, be, 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 be Bold. anarchist, be anarchist, tear it down, do something hey, revolutionary. Hey, Crable, I have this really good idea. Yeah. Uh, where kids would have one no. group of like one teacher for like multiple subjects. No, I no. And they would be like idea. kind of like a family of learners. No, no. no. okay. But, All right. yeah, okay. Sounds, cool. Casey, okay, that I'm gonna shoot that down right now. You know, when I said it, I thought you'd come up with something better. That's <laughs> stupid. It's so uh, stupid. So stupid. I had this idea for a six period day. Oh, <laughs> what about what about an idea for a, like one lunch where the oh. kids would actually get time to play? Oh, maybe you lunch oh. for some amount of it and then you learn for another part of it. Oh, it's, it's, that, that's you could, that's idiotic. You could call it like lunch and learn, maybe. Lunch and lunch, learn. Yeah, lunch yeah. and learn. Oh, that's cool. Wow, um, there's a lot of inside baseball going on right now. All right, and a lot of <laughs> lot of sarcasm and cynicism. Uh, we switch things up because we we do that uh it, those of you that were waiting with bated breath for show feedback at the beginning of the show we wanted to get to phyllis as soon as possible so mr siddons don't mute yourself it is time to do show i got feedback. i got some great show feedback and i'm actually prepared this time okay and i, I will say our last episode as much as it was a a, a long a, the end of a long hiatus we got a lot of people talking about our show again which is good nice. uh i i'm this is not in any particular order but from one of our listeners, David, uh, he said, he, he said he, he mows the lawn while he listens to Ed's not dead, by the way. Um, he said, if he said, if he's a principal and against cell phone, what does he do in his school to address the issue? Um, just fight the never ending battle of asking <laughs> kids to put their cell phones away. <laughs> it's a really effective strategy. I think. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking about this after the, after the sh- uh, show and, um, I was, I was like, yeah, I was, I was just like, all cell phones must die. Uh, there's maybe, <laughs> did, maybe a did, little on the strong side. Ever did Robbie of, call us fascists on yeah, the show uh, or off air? I mean, if the boy, if the name fits, wear it. <laughs> was it was it on air or was it off air? I can't. Remember. I, anyway, I think, I think it was hard, maybe off air. Hard to say. <laughs> uh, but I was actually thinking, um, like as a as a jet, like as a general belief. You know, that's. I think I was more speaking of general beliefs as a policy decision um that would be you know a little bit of a harder pill to swallow of right the unilateral like you know cell phones and pouches and and things of that nature so now i just go around telling kids to put their cell phones 
Uh, another listener connected to this who has to remain nameless said, uh, if the, at the end of the day, banning cell phones is really just a stopgap measure, uh, they, when you're talking about artificial intelligence and you're talking about how it's going to be incorporated into everyday lives, uh, this listener kind of commented on how there's, there's, you know, we have to get kids ready for the future. And, um, and then the listener said, cell phones in the classroom is the branch of the problem. The root of the problem is capitalism and how technology exploits people to make money rather than the government forcing them to protect the mental health of citizens. It's laissez-faire all over again. Ooh. That, what do you think was, of that? that a lot to unpack. That, that's a lot to unpack. They went anti Silicon Valley. <laughs> really, think it's capitalism. That's what I said. It's not. Yep. I, I didn't use capitalism, but I said the false promise of of technology. Yeah, you're right. You're and, right. and to your credit, Crable, you've said that for a long time. I mean, I you've have, always yeah. had that kind of yeah approach. Um, um, last uh, piece of feedback is actually from another loyal listener. He's actually my relative my cousin tom cousin tom cousin tom. tom he lives down in homestead florida big shout out to him he owns an uh an avocado farm if you're ever in the if you ever want to check out some awesome avocados and i ordered a bunch of mangoes from him this season which are amazing watch out for the gators tom it's called sleepy lizard avocado farm and robbie you'll like this he's a he big also grows mangoes big, yes he does and they're amazing uh sleepy lizard avocado farm check him out he's he's got amazing youtube videos and dodd he's a huge fisherman oh, okay well i need to talk to tom <laughs> can i can i put a hot take out there sure let's get some hot takes yeah avocados overrated whoa, whoa. disagree disagree guacamole disagree. great have plain, you avoca- ha- plain avocados uh... have you had a florida avocado are those the giant ones they are giant uh it's been many years wow ago. have you had a sleepy avocado. lizard avocado let me tell you i can guarantee i have not well then Robbie, you have you lived. in on my hot take or not where where are you come on you're asking the most non-foodie guy on the face <laughs> of the planet you were gonna i knew you were gonna out me well, he did have, i was gonna he, try he to did eat up. beef jerky before the show so. <laughs> i was gonna try to come <laughs> up with something that didn't like i mean i love a hard-boiled egg but i <laughs> Okay, just keep 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 firing the shot for breakfast. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have uh, crackers and tuna. That. Uh, all right, I listen. I, I no offense to Tom because I. And by the way, I love Sleepy Lizard. That's an awesome name. It's a great name. Yeah. A great name. Um, I have actually never had an avocado. I don't think. Whoa! You've eaten guacamole. Correct? I have eaten guacamole, and I am a guacamole fan. Well, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna gift you all some Florida avocados. Oh, yeah. oh that'd be that'd nice. I'm gonna get you excellent. one. Yeah. They're, they're delicious. They're I know, very I know, different from Haas avocado. Very. Different. I know my dear wife loves avocados, so um, she would it wouldn't be lost on her. Yeah. So wow. what did Tom? What did Tom? Well, say? Anyway, so Tom gave us a lot of feedback. He was talking about tech. Uh, he he liked your take, Robbie, on technology for technology's sake. There's no. He said there's no point of implementing a technology. If you're going to do the same thing the same way. And he talked about um, also talked about studies that show declining test scores, or I think you talked about it, Robbie, particularly in math. If that's happening, it'll have decades long uh, impacts. And uh, I believe that was when we were talking about, is the pandemic completely over? Have we, has has the impact uh, come and gone? But he, he mentioned as a parent, he said, there's just undeniable impact on the socialization of kids. And he mentioned his own kid, in that example. And then he talked about, 
we were talking about, um, I think I mentioned that uh, we're, we're making comparisons between smoking weed and cell phones. And he said they're absolutely com- comparable or comparable, comparable. He said, do we let heavy machine operators use their phones while working? They're both impairments. You don't have to make the argument that the phone is an addiction or like a drug. All you have to do is look at the outcomes. Uh, would you let kids sit in the classroom Ooh. with a blindfold? And then he talked about the etiquettes of of using a cell phone and and how it's, you know, kind of like knowing not to pick your nose and uh, Wait, knowing when to put your put your phone away. <laughs> That's funny because Crable picks his nose the whole time we do the show. He does it while he does it while <laughs> muted, which is I figured I would fire back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done. Hey, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I like Tom's. I like Tom's points. And but let me just. Uh, this is not on topic, but so Tom is a independent farmer, has his own business. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's got to be fairly uncommon. Shout shout out to Tom. Yeah, yeah I I, I got to give him a shout out at his uh, his his YouTube channel is amazing. He gets a lot of hits on his Sleep, YouTube channel. Sleepy lizard, sleeping lizard, sleepy lizard avocado farm. I'll find okay. the YouTube link. Yeah. I'll put it on. Put it, put it, put it in the show notes. Put on. it on. Be, be a good cousin. I got it right there. Done. We got to hook Tom up. Done. Um, right. The interesting thing, well, just one comment on that is uh, with the socialization, I think that's something that I have kind of underestimated and something that um, Phyllis talked about that it's I, the analogy that she was talking that I thought about is socializing is like, it seems like a muscle. And you need to do it in order to get better at it. And when you don't do it and you sit at home for six months, right? You get demonstrably worse at it and doing it again becomes that much harder. Right. Kind of, I never yeah, really you're right about it in those terms. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I agree with that. I also thought um I also thought that it was interesting. I think she I mean fit, what she said about therapy, and I mean Phyllis is uh, Phyllis is has her own practice, mm-hmm. so she obviously is a therapist, believes in therapy. But I, to your point, Crable, I think she th- this book is about actual kind of skills. It's not necessarily you know clinical, deep, therapeutic kinds of things. It's teaching kids some basic skills that they can rely on and i guess internalize and i i i'm 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 all for that i think that's interesting i think there's a place to do that yeah interesting that every kid who's having a hard time doesn't need a therapist correct was what she said there that there are other things that you know the kid that can be done which is a nice perspective yeah and and i like you pointed out some of those things might have eroded in the transition from elementary to middle school or at that kind of period during the pandemic um yeah, I I feel like these challenges, though, although amplified with the pandemic, have always been there with middle level. But maybe we're just trying to push them through the three years and get them out of there as quickly as possible. And I feel like now we're we're willing to spend more time and equity on them during school times, rather than you know we're not we're not laying down to the argument that academics are so important. They're so much more important than everything else. It's like, no, it, it is important, but it is also important to help kids focus on, I guess, what you you might pejoratively call like a soft skill. Maybe. Yeah. Agree. Um, all right. So that's it for show feedback. That's it. That's the, the, the bulk of it. I appreciate you giving me the time to share it. Yeah, it was great. Thanks yeah. for writing in. Thanks to Tom for 
We'll be waiting on those avocados, Casey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna share those. And Crable, I actually have an envelope stuffed full of very nice Ed Ed's Not Dead stickers right oh, here. And we got to get oh. back in the practice. Of uh, how are we gonna get one to fill us? We need to get one to fill us. Uh, we'll mail it the, over. The mail uh, typically is a USPS. Common, yeah. Okay. Pony Express. I never see you guys anymore, so I don't. I'll I'll put them in my uh, I'll put them in my swim bag when i run into you crable this weekend there you go share with you nice um all right uh this is the time of the show where we say goodbye i fully expect this published version to have at least 10 seconds of the washington redskins fight song <laughs> uh, uh yeah okay oh, i forgot he has about to that do, does, yeah does but he, I, I can put that in there yeah yeah he has to he has to do that when he edits it well, yeah. yeah absolutely let's put put him on the fire let's let's where do you, where do you, skills. where do you want it Preferably in the spot where I did not successfully play it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that was a little. Was I, I was I got really excited because I, I, I tried you, to your share time, my your your timing was great. It just didn't work. I tried to share my screen, but it wouldn't let me share my screen. So how about I do it as the outro of that section? Oh, I love that. That would that would be good. That's nice. All right, enough enough uh, behind radio here. Uh, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, a full-service educational media company focusing on leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Uh, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. Um, Mr. Siddons, get on the threads thing. I know you're resistant. And uh, check out the <laughs> website, edsnotdead.com. Uh, once again, thanks to our guest, Phyllis Fagel. You can find her book online, Middle School Superpowers, Raising Resilient Tweens in Turbulent Times. Pick it up. It would be some great summer reading. Um, As always, folks, thanks for joining us for Casey and Peter. Season seven is ahead. Uh, We'll be back with you soon. Thanks, fellas. See you soon. 